Good morning. Are you here? All right. Good morning. Boy, oh boy. That uh, worship seemed to fly by like it was one minute long. I, um, I was getting so lost in that song. I thought, wow. I don't know if you're like me, but you, sometimes if you weep a lot when you worship, um, I, I'm just like, Lord, keep a perpetual tissue box within reach um, because I just, uh, the presence of the Lord is truly impactful on our humanity. Um, I want to pray and then I want to share just a little vision that the Lord just gave me before I came up here. Father God, we worship you. All our praise belongs to you forever. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus, for what you did, what you paid for us, that we might, through confession of sin and inviting you into our life in salvation, enter into this beautiful process of relationship and growing in you in sanctification. Thank you, Jesus. God, I ask, as has been already prayed for me and over me, and I thank you for it, but God, I ask that your word this morning would not return void in the name of Jesus, that it would go forth and accomplish your will wherever you send it. Father, I praise you for what you are doing. So many great and mighty things. I lift up Greg and Michael and Allie as they are together in Nigeria today and having a very special visit with the king and queen. And God, I pray an anointing power to flow through them as they release what you have for them this morning in that place. And God, bring us together again. I know you have so many things that you want to share through Greg, as this trip has already been so significant. I just praise you, God. There are no words to offer to you in giving you the praise that you truly deserve. You are so worthy. Let our lives, let our very existence Pour out praise to you with the laid down life that is not our will, but yours always be done. Do with this time and with this word as you will. Do not let me get in the way of it at all. I pray in Jesus' name. In fact, in the spirit, let me sit and hear from you as you are the true leader of this church, and will be the bride as a whole in its readying as we are already on our way towards that. Do your will this morning, Lord. We love you so much. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, maybe if I could get a uh, water bottle put beside that tissue box, I'd appreciate it. All right. Can everyone hear me in the back? I know with the fans, Brooke explained that online. And are we doing okay with the volume and everything? Good. If it seems too dark through the, through the video, then, then yes. If not, then it's totally fine. Okay. So during worship, as 
I was again just just praying in the Holy Spirit. Again, the Lord gave me a unique vision. And he doesn't show me faces. He doesn't show me people. This time, he showed me physical hearts. Have you ever seen a human heart? uh, It was a human heart. And he showed me the human heart within each person. And the words were going forth that he has for this morning. And he showed me the different hearts. And there were four different ones. There was the word that went forth and it just, it's like it, it just kind of got absorbed. It just got absorbed right into the heart. It's like the word just went and as soon as it touched the heart, it just absorbed right in. It just went right through. And then he showed me a heart where the heart was pulsating as hearts beat and it was it began to almost form a, a suction that was, it was like, it wasn't, it wasn't patient enough to receive the word. It was so eager that it wanted to just suck in the words faster. It's like, I, I wanted, I'm so hungry for it. I'm so thirsty, God, for what you have. And it just sucked the word into the heart. And then he showed me God's mercy in, he sent an angel to the next heart. And this angel had one of those, those rubber hammers with a, with a large stake. And, and the, the angel took the stake and, and put it against the heart and began to beat so that the heart could be pried open, so that the word could get through the hardness of the heart. And, and the word got in there, and some of them stayed, but they, some of them just dripped out. So it was like, it was like I'm going to crack through this surface and get it in there, but... Beyond that, it's just, it's up to the heart whether it will stay. And the fourth heart that he showed me was this word being released. And it didn't get to the heart. It got to the chest cavity and immediately fell down. It came at and dropped. Came at and dropped. There was a seal over the heart that just said, Talk to the hand or chest cavity. I can't receive it at all. It may as well drop to the ground because it ain't getting close to my heart. And I just began to just tremble in emotion that the Lord is so merciful and so gracious in this time in which we live to still even release the truth and the word. He still is even releasing it. But it's going to be up to you what heart posture you have. And I don't know if that last one or last two, the hardened heart and the completely sealed blocked heart, is even anybody here present with us today. It could be somebody online. But whoever is receiving the word, wherever it's going out, it will impact those four conditions of hearts. And so I want to encourage you this morning to open your heart. And let it be cultivated by the word that the Lord has. Greg often says, he often says that the Lord doesn't give him anything till right before he gets up here to, to speak. And what's interesting is you really wouldn't think that if you observed his secret place time. He is, he's really steeped in 
several different studies right now and really um, just, I mean, doesn't matter if he's mowing the lawn or, you know, in the truck or whatever. He is, he is um, soaking in something that the Lord is saying to him. And uh, let's make sure that is not a bee. Pray in the name of Jesus that it land. Um, but the Lord is teaching us and um, definitely was teaching me this week that he really does want this for his entire remnant, his readied bride, that every time we speak and have an opportunity to speak a word in season or speak truth to somebody, that it comes really spiritually, divinely, organically, if you will, out of what we soak in when we're with Jesus. And he certainly wants to see that in pulpits. He wants to see that the result of the word released is from a time of just soaking in the presence of the Lord, getting wisdom, giving, getting revelation, filling up in the knowledge of the word of God, guided and led by the Holy Spirit and then released. And sometimes to challenge that being a, a real authentic um, process, he, will, he won't release it all ahead of time. And so I, I wrestled a bit this week with what it is that he wanted. And I've told you before that I do, um, I've always liked just, I like three-point outlines. They've gotten kind of a bad rap <laughs> because uh, some seminaries that teach pastors um, teach that that is evidently the magic potion. And um, many of them have a, a deadness on them. But God's not against three-point outlines. He just wants it to be his word and he wants it to be spoken um, as the Holy Spirit. But he did give me three points, and then he didn't give me a title. And it was interesting because it was funny. I, I was kind of just jotting down, kind of putting together the culmination of all kinds of notes throughout the week. And everything he showed me the last couple of weeks has been really exciting, really like, whoa, parables and things that he would say. And I'd just be like, that's why that, oh, that's why they did this, or that's why Jesus, you said it this way. And it was just so, so cool. I mean, there's nothing like being in a Bible study where Holy Spirit is the teacher and, and you're just, you're just learning really directly from the heart of the father in, in real time. It's, it's a beautiful thing, but he wouldn't give me the title and he was just like, uh, 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 Alexis, okay, I've given you so much this week. Now you're starting to focus on the information. And you need to take a step back. And you need to just focus on me. Set that aside. And, and don't misunderstand me right now. He never says to set aside the learning and, you know, understanding of the word of God. But if it's not done in the right way, if it's not a reflection and, and a, uh, if it's not with him in the center of it, you're going to be misguided. So he pulled me away from that and said, just spend time with me. Just soak in me. And so we had a wonderful time of worship um, yesterday, just kind of throughout the day after the gifts meeting. Then this morning, I said, well, Lord, you know, it, I don't even care if you don't give me a title. But you know how when we, when we put them in the podcasts, it's just easier to be able to separate which was which if you just give me some kind of title. And so he gave it to me. And so the title of the message is an interesting, weird three words, and it's just, he really does. And he gave me three things that he really does. And so I just want to share with you, and I hope that it'll all come together um, and make sense. But the first thing that the Lord showed me 
is that he really, and it's, it, these are all fundamental things. It was almost like a refresher of, of what we know. We, can, we know it, we know it, we know it, but he wants it to go so deep into our knower that it just, it just on a next level transforms us and fundamentally changes our existence in our relationship with him. So the first thing that he said is, tell them, I really do. He really does speak to us. He does speak to us. And, you know, he was showing me all week that this amazing book, the Word of God, is filled with, I didn't expect the wind to be there blowing my pages, um, filled with so many ways that God speaks. I mean, you can't, you can't get but to the second chapter, second, third chapter of the, of the Bible itself, and you see that he speaks with Adam. Just walked and talked with him in the cool of the day. So beautiful. But even after sin came, he didn't hide his voice. He didn't hide access to him in some way. And he speaks through so many different ways. In dreams, in visions, dreams to Joseph and Jacob and, and um, in, in visions to more, more than I can count. Abraham, he has spoken audibly, personally to Abraham, to Moses. He, he speaks through his creation. He speaks through... Um, just a, a, a still small voice in the depth of your spirit. And, and it's this knowing. And it's so real. And I, I have to say, I find it so amazing that there seems to be this, almost like this campaign in, in a pocket of the bride that is putting out a, a, a lie. It's, it's really heresy that God no longer speaks in the way that he did in the Bible. And yet when you look at Malachi 3, 6, for I, the Lord, do not change. He does not change. He speaks. What good are these examples? These, these people, these stories were given for our example, not for a history lesson. And it's amazing to me how much the word of God gets reduced to a history book or worse than that, to an interesting storybook. It is amazing to me um, how people in, in what Jesus even said in the parable of the sower, be careful how you hear. Because if you don't hear, he that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. If you don't hear with faith, then what you have, even what you think you have, will be taken. But what you do have, if you hear well, more, that much more will be given. And it's because the Lord will entrust you with more as you believe him for more. And as you can be trusted by faith for more. So he just speaks in so many ways. It is, it is so beautiful. And I, he brought me to, a, there's so many scriptures that it's just like, I, I, I could go on and on, but I'm not going to. I'm just going to give you a couple. In Jeremiah 29:13. We, we find that beautiful verse that when we seek him, we're going to find him. Okay? When we seek him with all of our heart. In Matthew 7, 7, ask and you'll receive. Seek and you'll find. Knock and the door will be opened. When we go to him, he will respond. I love my favorite is Jeremiah 33, 3. Call unto me and I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things. He will answer us when we speak. When we go before the throne, praise God for Jesus and what he paid for. The veil was torn. We get bold access 
to go boldly and confidently before the throne of God, that we may obtain mercy to find help in our time of need. But it's not a one-way street. It's not a, Lord, I'm coming to you. Okay, I guess I just have to leave it there because, you know, I mean, I'm hoping you're there. I'm hoping, I'm hoping you know, you're, you're speaking. Where we get tripped up on this idea of the Lord speaking is that we become very myopic. And I'll tell you what, no matter who has had amazing experiences like the Apostle Paul, where Jesus himself showed up in front of him and spoke to him. And there have been so many encounters far beyond the word of God. Recent encounters people have been having. Man, seek him and you'll find him. He will show up. He will give you an encounter. But the thing that trips us up is that we, we don't always recognize that he is not going to speak in exactly the same way all the time. Why is that? He may speak to some very consistently in one way, but he wants to show us so much of himself. See, when you go before the Lord and you say, I want more of you, I want more of you, I never knew how much God's voice and the things he was trying to communicate to me would be heard in a very unique and different way through creation. I never knew, and I'll never forget one time I was driving to a stoplight, and on the top of this stoplight, there was a nest, a bird's nest. And I I literally got to see the mama bird pushing the baby out, and it kind of stumbling and flying, and okay, wow, that thing better land. Not in my hair. Sorry. Um... Oh, okay. Is that, it must be a stink bug. Okay, sorry about that. If somebody, Josh, if you could be courageous and maybe try to kill it while I'm preaching, that would be awesome. Because that is going to be a distraction in Jesus' name. Can we cast that thing out? Um, <laughs> it loves the lights. Um, maybe, um, yeah, let's just try to get it. Yes, thank you. Get something like that. Somebody go after it. Then ignore him and you can keep listening to me. So I'm coming to the, uh, it's, it's like really, all right, we're going to turn on the house lights. Forgive me. Okay. Praise God. We'll go with the flow. Then it will go someplace else. I know it's a different atmosphere for you guys now. Are you able to adjust to the, to the different lights? So I see this baby's net, this bird's nest and the mama bird is pushing the baby bird out and it starts to falter, right? And the baby bird or the mama bird sweeps underneath it and catches it. And then the bird is able to fly again alone. And then the bird comes under and and gets under it again and and supports it. And then it lets it fly a little bit. And then it gets under it again. Is is that going to really make, I think it's going to make me too dark. Yeah, go ahead and turn those back on. That's all right. We'll get it. We'll get it. We'll get it. But the additional lights above will maybe draw it upward. Um, And right there in that moment, when... I was watching this happen, and it was interesting. I was thankful for the longer red light. I may have even shared this before in a message. But I immediately, the presence of the Lord was showing me he's got me in the situation that I was in. It's like, look, you may feel like you're faltering, but I'm going to swoop down every time, and I'm going to catch you. I'm going to help you. You will not fall. You may feel like you're free falling, but I've got you. I've got you. Now, That was very impactful. I knew that that is the message the Lord was giving to me. I think where we also get tripped up and in the bride, um, there are, there is a language that we use that is 
um, is one of, of, I've noticed, and the Lord's kind of shown it to me, it's like it's a progression of faith. It's like in the churchy, churchness, we like to say, well, God led me, or God gave me this impression, or I felt like that was God. You know, those are, those are acceptable things to say. When you get to the point where God told me, that is a bolder place of faith. Because, and it, and it messes up people, and we've been asked so many times, what do you mean God told you? What, what do you think, he just talks to you? What, what? I mean, you don't think he talks to me? It's weird. It, it immediately causes an accountability, and, which is what makes people defensive sometimes. But when you use the word God told me, it's a little intimidating. But that's a place of faith that in that moment, God told me. If you don't like the word told, he showed me. He gave me the impression, whatever words you want to use, it was a message from the Lord that he's got me. And there are times that he will speak to us if you are aware that he is in everything, that he is always around us, that he is trying to communicate through so many different ways. You will appreciate aspects of his character and things that he does for you, how he how he helps you. What a great designer he is. When The first time he showed me the intricacies of, an, of a butterfly. And I'm like, I'm not a nature girl by any stretch. Or this thing wouldn't have been bothering me. <laughs> you know, I'm just not. But yet, God has said, no, don't say that about yourself. Look at nature. Appreciate the, the, my paintbrush and what I have done on the, on the wings of a butterfly. And know that I have designed you. How precious also are my thoughts unto thee, O Lord. How great is the sum of them. If I should count them, they are more in number than the sand. From Psalm 139. He loves us. He's intentional. And he speaks to us. He wants to communicate. That's what relationship is. That is what it is. And he does still speak. And the reason I say there's this campaign that seems to shut down this whole idea of God speaking is because unless you humble yourself and you look to all the ways that God speaks and you are open, you, you will have to kind of change your theology to explain why you think you don't hear from the Lord. And yet the biggest lie is that he doesn't speak. Well, yes, he spoke to Paul, Saul, in that way, or he spoke to Moses in that way, which, by the way, in many, many ways, also through creation, through nature, through a burning bush, you know, he speaks those ways, but that's just not how he does it anymore. And if you say God told you, you're a false prophet. That's, there are a lot of things the enemy is causing for people to, to kind of promote and copy, and it's a deception to get you to immediately shut down. Oh, I can't say God told me because that's not what he does anymore. Oh, you've just, you've just reduced everything that God's given us in his word a notch or many notches smaller to not believe that he speaks. He speaks. That's the essence of the fellowship that we have with him. And it's so amazing. He will speak through circumstances. He will speak through prophets. He will speak through other people. In fact, um, look at Hebrews chapter 1. And I love this. Um, If you already have it up there, you can pull it up. Hebrews 1 verse 1. Long ago, and I'm in the ESV, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, 
He has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. We have relationship with Jesus because of what he paid for. The veil was torn. And I'm just so, it's so exciting. You know, I think sometimes there are, there are testings of faith where we, that's all right, just keep going. <laughs> there are testings of faith where we may have periods of time where we feel like we're not hearing from the Lord. But I'm telling you, expand your horizon from where you think he's going to speak. And let me tell you, he is every day communicating with you in some way. Even, don't worry about that, even just to communicate that he is there, that he will never leave us or forsake us. We may not be getting the answers we are pursuing, but he will always speak his presence with us in one way or another. In fact, sometimes in my dry times of his faith being increased in me, and it's a painful stretching time, sometimes the fact that I rise from bed and I recognize this is another day and I'm still here, that alone, he's told me, yep, it's because of me. I'm still with you. It is, your, it is my breath in your lungs. So rise to give me praise. But man, begin to look. You will find if, if Shannon is trying to communicate with me and the first time she communicated with me, it was by email. Okay. Well, will I not recognize? Will I only look to her? Will I'm only checking my email? Man, I haven't heard from Shannon in a really long time. I keep checking my email. You know, I just haven't heard. I guess she's just not, she's just, I don't know why she's chosen to not talk to me. And then you know, somebody might say, well, did you, did she text you? How about did she call you? Did she write you a letter? You know, she, she, could have, she could have made a poster and put it in your front yard. Did she talk to you herself? Did she show up? Did she gesture to you? Did she tell somebody else to talk to you? I mean, like, oh, I didn't even think about those 25,000 other ways. Because I was only fixated on the email. We do that sometimes. And by the way, we don't mean to. But when we do... Let me tell you what, the adversary is right there to say, see, 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 he doesn't want to talk to you. He's not speaking to you. He's not really, that's not what he does. He spoke to the people of old. He doesn't speak in that way anymore. And then people begin to release this word. And I will say right now this morning, woe to you who are producing these YouTube videos Building a case and a theology that is contrary to the word of God that God no longer speaks to his people today in a personal personal and real way. Shame on you for putting out those lies and deception. And I also pray for you that God will deliver you from this absolute nonsense of deception in your life. Because it is hurting the cause of Christ. It is hurting relationship with Jesus. He also... By the way, and I'm going to address this because this is another big issue. But how do you know if it's him? What if you get deceived? I mean, you, you know, when you're hearing other voices. Well, what's interesting is you do need to know. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. We need, we are, we're going to recognize the voice of the Lord when we know him. We get to know him in prayer, and in the word of God. How do we cast down imaginations 
2 Corinthians 10, verses 4 and 5. How do we break strongholds and cast down these proud arguments that come against the knowledge of God if we don't have the knowledge of God? We need to have the knowledge of God so that we can discern by the power of the Holy Spirit what is not his voice and what is his voice. Because that's the secondary argument. It becomes the absurd philosophy that some people think is just like, and I don't like this expression because it seems so cruel, but it's like, well, throwing the baby out with the bathwater. Whoever came up with that. But it's, it's an example of how absurd it is. Just because the bathwater might be a little bit soiled and not, not pure or whatever, might not be so good, and you need to pour the bathwater out, you don't throw the baby out. You know, it's, how crazy is that? And yet... That's what we do sometimes with, with God's voice. It's like, well, if it could be a little bit soiled, if, it could, if there could be any deception, let's just shut all voices down. We're just going to, let's just go, we're going to rein this whole Holy Spirit thing right in. He'll guide you into all truth. You don't need to worry about that. Just listen to our guide. We're going to give you the 10, the 10 do's and don'ts of living the Christian life. You follow this list and you're good. And I'm the pastor and in Jesus' name, amen. You know, like What? And then the pulpit becomes this place of blasphemy, and Jesus is no longer in charge. It's so dangerous. God is not sadistic. He is not a God that will withhold himself when we seek him. When we seek him, we will find him. If our hearts are pure before the Lord, when we, as James said, when we submit ourselves, therefore, to God and resist the devil, he will flee. When we draw near to him, he will draw near to us. And there's another great scripture that I love that is, um, it's in, um, I think it's in Matthew. Anyways, it's one of the scriptures about the fact that um, it's after one of the parables. And Jesus said, if you who have a son, if you ask him to, if he asks you for bread, will you give him, uh, what is it? A stone. If you ask him for a fish, will you give him a scorpion? Is it a scorpion or a serpent? Egg for a serpent. And, but it says, if, if you're willing to give something good to your own child who asks, you're not going to give him something evil when he asks for good. How much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit when you ask? And we know these scriptures, but yet there's a lot of control in the church. And the flow of the Holy Spirit and discerning his voice, quite frankly, it takes time. And it takes a whole lot of surrender. And if you're not willing to surrender to the process of really learning his voice apart from any other voice, then of course you're going to lock it down into something that can just be figured out. But God is personal. He's personal. So if I have this list of ten things and I just, I just do these outward things to try to hear from God, I'm going to miss the personal assignment that he gives me. And some of these points will rub together because the second thing he told me is he really does have a plan and a calling for your life. He has an assignment for us. And it is special. It is intentional. We're not just a mass group of people invited and, okay, for God so loved the world, you're just part of the world. Yes, that's true. For God did so love the world that he gave his only begotten son. And yes, whoever believes in him won't perish, but will have everlasting life. But that general truth doesn't mean that God is just a general God. He is specific. For God so loved Shannon Martin. For God so loved Judy Tomlin that he 
gave Jesus, his own son, to die for you individually if you were the only one. And he has a plan for you. Jeremiah says, I knew you. I I knew you before you were even formed and, and before you even came forth into this world. He has a book, a destiny written for us. And he really, really does have an assignment for us. And God is not sadistic to withhold his voice. You know, it reminded me, I heard a pastor tell this story one time I thought was interesting. I'm not condoning Easter egg hunts and whether you feel they're good or bad or whatever, but this is just my analogy, okay? If there was an Easter egg hunt that that, uh, some parents were doing for their children, what kind of a loving parent would be displaying their love if they were to hide the eggs and, you know, think about it, different ages, there's all different ages, they might, they might uh, if they have all different ages, somebody from maybe three years old to maybe 13 years old, and they're like, okay, we're going to all do it, maybe a three-year-old and a seven and a nine and a 13-year-old. They're going to hide eggs in different places. The three-year-old, it's going to be a little bit more out in the open, right? Um, maybe for the nine-year-old, the 13-year-old, they're going to be a little bit more hidden, maybe under a, some brush and a bush, whatever, and, and, but they're going to make it to where... It's going to take some effort so that there's the thrill of discovery, right? Because God made us that way to where there's this thrill of discovery and finding things out. It's nothing's more exciting than just getting another awesome revelation of who God is. It's just like, whoa, I thought I knew, I thought I knew you were awesome, but now I'm, my mind is blown. You are awesome. So in this Easter egg hunt, can you imagine if the parents were to say, okay, I'm going to hide these eggs. This is going to be great. And they get this big truck with a big shovel and they dig a hole down six feet and they drop the eggs in the bottom. They dump it over with dirt. Then they dump it over with cement and then more dirt and then lay it over with grass and go, okay, go ahead. Try to find them eggs. See if you can. Just see if you can. You'll never find them. Is that the kind of God we have? What kind of parent would do that? Like, like, yes, we're supposed to dig deep. For discovery, But he doesn't make it impossible. He doesn't make it to where there is no way we're going to receive that revelation. When we seek him, we'll find him. He is such a gentle teacher. He is willing and desires to give us what he's, what he's wanting us to know. And yes, he does it at times that are when we're ready to actually receive it. And do you know why? Because when we receive it, as soon as a seed is planted it produces something so he will oftentimes plant the seed when he knows it's time for that word to come forth and that fruit to be produced he really really does have an assignment for us one thing that i thought was very interesting the lord took me to something so basic and um i thought wow this is this is what he wants for his people and it is the great commission Right out of the gate, without, without even a prophetic understanding or maybe knowing a specific assignment. Maybe some of you are waiting on the Lord. Lord, what do you have for me? What, what do you want for me right now? Well, one of the things that he has told his people is in Matthew 28. Um, and it's found in, um, actually, it kind of starts in verse 16. And this is the, in the ESV. Now the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped them, but some doubted. They struggled. This was after he had been resurrected. And Jesus came to them, came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, 
baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always, even unto the end of the age. Go into all the world. You know, God has ignition right now. He is fulfilling something that if he had told us how it would be fulfilled, I want to say even three years ago, much less when he first started ignition, if he had told us when he said that we were going to get a building and then another building and then another building, and by the way, everything he has told us is true. It is absolutely true. He does things the way he does them because paradigms are not easily uprooted. And we do tend to retreat into what we know, into what we understand, and into a context that we can grasp. And so if he's about to plow and do a new thing, he's got to continually show us a new path and the way that he wants to do it. And it's never been done before. But honestly, it's right here. We are to go into all the world. He is sending us. He is sending us everywhere right now and particularly in certain places certain lands to cleanse these lands to take territory in the spirit we are planted right here in elkton for now to take this territory from the enemy and that's because he has taught us what the spirit realm reality really is if you resist or tend to not understand the spirit realm or reject or even shy away from things in the spirit, if you need things that are always tangible to your humanity, you're going to definitely struggle with the voice of God. You're also going to definitely struggle with what it means to have victory in the spirit. You're going to always be looking for evidence. Um, I love the, uh, one of the lines in the Elevation, one of their last albums, that says, stop looking for the evidence, start living in the promises. And it's like, Don't we know as believers we're to walk by faith and not by sight? God is taking us to new places, to to new ways. If we as a church, how could I tell you, how could I stand behind a, a podium, whether it be in a class or in the church body, and say, by the way, church, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to everyone. When I'm not willing to go. He's literally taking us together where we go. We have all, he's already given us our assignment in Nigeria. We're called to seven places in the world. And do you know what? He's called all the bride to all the places when they go. Not everyone will be everywhere, but he has called us to engage. Many of you are fully engaged in the work in Nigeria, even though your physical body has not yet been there. That's what he's called us to. We are called, this is the Great Commission. There's also, our other assignment is the Great Commandment. In Matthew 22, 37, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. This is the first and great commandment, and the second is like unto it. Love your neighbor as yourself. That's one of the assignments we have. Love him with everything, and then with the filling of that. Let it spill over in love to one another. That's an assignment. He has called you. Do you know he has called you to love others around you? Don't look at other people's assignments. Don't shy away from seeing other people's assignments because we do tend to retreat into things that we know. And, off, and I'm telling you, I did that. Um, 
You have to be careful when you say don't look at other people's assignments because I actually took that too far when it came to Nigeria. I said, okay, Lord, you've called me to Nigeria, but not actually me going. Maybe I'm just going to pray about it. And I wasn't, I wasn't to the place where if the Lord were to say, ah, yes, I'm going to take you there. I'm going to take you. He's brought me to the place where wherever he t- tells me to go now, I know that to stay where he is not. If he goes there, if in his plan for me, he takes me there. If I pull back, that's where his shadow is. And I have pulled out from under the shadow of the Almighty when I shrink back. And it's a very dangerous place. And you guys know the story I've told too many times that that's what he showed me in my kitchen. First time he told me to go to Nigeria and I was struggling with it. I didn't understand why it had to be me. Why can't there just be people called to missions? You know, like there was a real churchy, real religious mentality in me. And the Lord in my kitchen just said, let me show you what it will feel like when my presence over you goes on to Nigeria without you. And all of a sudden, my kitchen felt like, whoa, like some, I don't even know, dark, dark territory. I I had never felt such a darkness and an eerie feeling. And I thought, whew, okay, whatever I think I'm pulling back into that is what I deem to be safe or what I deem to be possible within what my limitations are that I see is just not going to cut it. Because the Lord was always, and he's doing this in your life too, I know. He reminds us that everything that we do is because of his strength. Whether you think it is or not, whatever strengths you have, don't you dare forget it. It is because God has given it to you. And sometimes it takes us going through things to recognize that because we tend to be self-reliant and self-sufficient. And so the Great Commission and the Great Commandment were one of the first assignments. But, you know, we do have to be very, very careful that we don't just listen to the calling of the Lord on our lives based on the need. Because you know what? And I love this, this, these verses in Luke chapter four, verse 25, where he's talking about the prophet Elijah. And he said, you know, there were many with Jesus is talking to the people teaching them. There were many widows in Israel in the days of Elijah, where the heavens were shut three and a half years with a great famine. But Elijah was only sent to one of those widows. Can you imagine if Elijah wasn't listening to the Lord and was thinking, there's a famine. Look at all these widows. God, we got to take care of all of them. And then tried to go it in his own strength. Don't, don't listen for your assignment through the lens of the need. Just listen with a purity. Because God knows exactly what he wants you to do and what he wants everyone else to do. You know, if everyone would just listen to their assignment, there would literally be no need. Those who are believers, the bride, those who know Jesus as their savior would literally say, if we all followed the voice of God to meet the need that he placed us in, to, to take a hold of the assignment he gave us, there would be so little need, if not any. But we often either are completely involved in, sadly, there's a, a growing intoxication with hedonism, comforts, seeking of comforts, self-preservation. There's a huge strategy, a huge strategy of fear. And we know what fear is. What is fear? We know the acronym, false evidence, appearing real. That's the essence of COVID. Oh, my word. Now we see the false evidence that was appearing so real. 
when, that, when the lockdown first came and we were all afraid and wondering what was going on. And we had to take a minute. And I remember at the beginning, I had to just go, wait a second. Forgive me, Lord, for giving any agreement to that false evidence appearing real. What's real? God's truth. Himself. His presence. That is the truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He has an assignment for us. And we have to, we talked about this a little bit in the ladies' class. Bryn uh, just gave us such a wonderful lesson. And there have been two segments in the bride. One where there's all scripture, scripture, scripture. God only speaks through this. He only speaks through this. He does speak through this. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. But we tend to stop before we get to the word was God. And we think, okay, then I'll, I'll learn it. But then it's just nonsensical. You're, you're just not thinking real deeply and thoroughly if you don't think that God speaks in a rhema way. Okay, he speaks through his Logos word, but he speaks in a rhema way. And I, I'm often reminded of the little page, I think it was of Philippians, in the story of Corrie Ten Boom. When um, the, the, one of the, the Jewish people that was oppressed at the time of the, the Nazis, and she was in a concentration camp, and her and her, her father and her sister, and she snuck a single page of the Word of God in. And it was amazing. It was divine how she snuck it in because they stripped them naked to, to go through. I mean, checkpoints. They checked everything. You could have nothing with you but what they gave you. And yet that one single page, she didn't have all the, the tools to do a Bible study. And, you know, she had that page and there were great revelations. She had amazing fellowship. Her faith grew. She communicated with the Lord. And even in that one page, there was amazing revelation from the Lord. Did you know, and this is just a side note, something to dig into. Do you know Jesus is, in every, is on every page of the word of God? In some way, shape or form, Jesus is on every page. It is such a beautiful thing when you really look at it. But Jesus even told the Pharisees who constantly were looking to their scriptures, looking to their scriptures, you know, like they just were completely. Jesus said, you search the scriptures because in them you think you have eternal life. And yet you don't see that here I am. In fact, I want to read you the exact verse because it's just so sad. John 5, verse 39, says, You search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life, and it is they that bear witness of me. Yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life. That was one of the biggest obstacles that Jesus, he's like, Look, I know the scriptures a little better than you, okay? I, I know my father. I spent time with my father. I mean, he was given the what for in the, in the temple when he was 12. You know, they didn't have any idea where this wisdom was coming from. And yet he's like, I am the fulfillment of the word that your head is buried in. Lift your eyes and see. You know, in John chapter 14 and 15, when it talks about the Holy Spirit, the helper will come, the guide. Have you ever been on a guide, a guided tour? I don't know about you, but I've never been on a guided tour, especially through a museum, where the guide did not talk. He speaks. He speaks. He will tell you. You know, you might think, well, yeah, but you can just follow a guide. I'm not going to get much out of the tour if all I'm doing is walking behind somebody. There's a communication. Because in the scripture, in the John, it says he will teach you all things. So he communicates. He communicates his word and he communicates his assignment for you. Listen for it. God uh, gave Greg the message last week about being bold and lifting your voice. 
And it was even what Bryn spoke of for the ladies. We are at a time where we are needing to lift our voice. Um, there There is a phrase, and I might mess it up, but I'll do the best I can. The only thing that will allow evil to prevail is that good men will do nothing. There, this is the time for truth to be spoken in the public square. You, we know that it is the time when truth is, is the most threatening, and so it needs to be overcome. And there was a commentator that I saw um, on, on, uh, on Fox that I normally agree with in his basic, basic conservative views. But he said something the other day, um, and just so you guys know, some of you know who my favorite is. This was not my favorite. But this guy, he made a comment when, when there was this announcement about the, um, by the, uh, the pro-choice side where they've made a declaration. It's a demonic declaration that this will be a summer of rage. We all know that that's coming. And he said, you know, we don't have to engage these people. You don't have to get involved with any of this. This is just, you know what, you can just, just stay quiet, just mind your own business you know, you don't even have to engage. And if it gets really bad, there's even, you can even move to another state where it's easier. There's always a way to move away from that kind of stuff. And I just thought, I just was lunging at the TV. You know, I was like, no. And I did. I declared. I said, no. And I said his name. You will not declare that. That is the exact opposite of what we should do. That is why they've even gotten to the place where they could make such an absurd declaration. Summer of rage? Oh, my word, you need a spanking right now for that tantrum. Seriously. Like, no, no, no. We will not do it. And I I told you the story last week of, you know, just like a a screaming child when you tell them no. That's when they get really upset. Like, what? I can't do do what I want? Ah, You know, the enemy is having a tantrum because he knows he's defeated. He knows his time is up. So he's roaring. But guess what? The lion of Judah is roaring back and he is one he is coming to roar through his people and so we've got to know our assignment we've got to go don't just look at the need it will be endless around you don't just look at these people are hurting these people are hungry this is happening get in your secret place and say lord here am i send me where you send me if you go out even if it is for a great cause if you go out into an assignment that the Spirit of God is not, not telling you and charging you to work through, you will really fall flat on your face. And it could even put you in a very dangerous place. When Greg shared the story of the Lord clearly telling him to go and stand firm against that satanic conference in Arizona, that was a very unique assignment. That's not something you... Of course we don't want to see witches' covens and things like that going... But you don't just charge in without the power of the Holy Spirit directing you. You've got to be directed and led of the Lord. And this is where we tend to get cart before horse. Be sure that you spend time. You'll notice Jesus would retreat away and spend time with the Father and soak in in that relationship and come out of that so empowered. Yes, we need to study. We need to know what the truth is, because there's a lot of projection going on right now. The enemy is trying to project his character onto you. He's trying to project his own defeat on you. Honestly, the reason why many of us are weary is because the enemy is trying to project his own weariness 
of his kingdom upon us because the top, the top levels of authority have been cut off. And they're working a whole lot harder than they ever thought they'd have to work. He is losing people. He is losing. Things will get darker. But guess what? When a person is taking drugs and they just keep getting their fix and getting their fix, they seem like they're doing okay. But when it's time to say, I want that drug no longer having hold on you. I want you to be free of that. Do you know what a detox process looks like in a heavily drug-addicted person? It looks violent and ugly. We're just going through a detox, folks. See it for what it is. There is a freak out. There is a darkness. But there is a cleansing and a purging of evil coming out. And man, as it comes up, there aren't that many people, especially if it's a loved one. There are very few people that can actually watch a detox process happen with your loved one. Your heart breaks for them. They just, they just become, I mean, I've just seen different, different ones of that happening to. It's very, very difficult to watch. And it's one that, that if you don't see clearly that, hey, this looks terrible and I know it's painful, but it's good. It's good. And you're going to be better for it. And the bride is going to be better for it. The remnant will become stronger. And this nation will be one nation under the God again. He heard our cries at the return when we went to D.C. that became such a source of, of disdain for the enemy camp. These poor people that have, that have cost, some of them, it cost them their lives. They were imprisoned, and many of them didn't even enter the Capitol. Do you know there are people in prison right now? Their charges have not even yet been heard from what has come against them. They just wanted to nab as many people. The enemy so hated that Almighty God was sought after by thousands and thousands of people to come back and take over this nation. And and so the enemy was just like, let's just get some of them and, and just torment them and torture them. And it's so, so sad. And we need to be praying for these people that God will get a hold of their hearts. They don't necessarily know the Lord, but they came wanting their nation back. And they've paid a dear, dear price. And God is bringing his justice. He's bringing his justice. The third thing that he really does is he really does make it worth it. You know, when you're dealing with a lot of warfare, the enemy is right there to just kind of say, you know what, you don't need all this. It's just, you need to just go ahead and just, just take, take a rest in giving up. It's, it's a deceptive rest. You don't need to get involved in that. That's kind, of what, that's kind of what this commentator was saying. You don't need to be involved in all that nonsense. You don't need to get involved in these fights and stand firm against all these, these evil things people are spewing. You shouldn't have to go through that. That's not comfortable for you. And, and the Lord is like, look to my kingdom. Seek first my kingdom. Look at my plan for you. Because guess what? I hath not seen, neither hath ear heard, neither hath entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for those who love him. He loves us. He loves us. He, it is worth it simply because he has given us life. And by the way, if you want that verse, if you don't know where that is, 1 Corinthians 2 verse 9, that verse we ought to know backwards and forwards in whatever translation you love it in. That is not about heaven. That's not just about heaven. Of course, in heaven. In John, um, 
in the John 14, 1 and 2, of course, um, in our, the Father's house, there are many mansions, there are many rooms. And Jesus said, the Father says, I go to prepare a place for you. Of course, we're going to have a wonderful time in heaven, but he's prepared something to be worth it right now. It is worth it right now to have his peace. And we are to bear fruits in keeping with repentance, Jesus said. Bear fruit in keeping with repentance because this fruit is part of what's worth it. And and I don't know why, but he has been saying that phrase over and over again. That phrase, by the way, comes from Matthew 3, verse 8. And I got it in a few different translations. It was wild. In the, um, in the NIV, it says, produce fruit in keeping with repentance. New living. Prove by the way that you live that you have repented of your sins and turned to God. In the Amplified, I love this. So produce fruit that is consistent with repentance, demonstrating new behavior that proves a change of heart and a conscious decision to turn away from sin. And in the contemporary, the the CEV, do something to show you have really given up your sins. And then the last one that I, I loved was the Good News Translation. Do those things that will show that you have turned from your sins. He is wanting us to have every single one of the fruits of the Spirit in Galatians 5, 22 and 23. Love, joy, peace, gentleness, goodness, meekness, faith. He's wanting us to have faith as a fruit. Those are the fruits that he produces in keeping with repentance. Because it is the emptying of ourselves that allows the filling of him. And it really is worth it. It is worth it. What does a man profiteth if he saves his whole life but loses his own soul? You, we are in that line. We are seeing the divide. And it is very deep. It is very stark. There is no jumping into religion, going back to self. Jumping into religion because, you know, I just need to get a little bit of church on. I mean, I can't be like fully, fully in the, in the heathen camp. But I don't want to be so sold out because there's some things over there that I really like. And you're, you're tossed to and fro and producing nothing. And guess what? The to and fro is causing a cycle. It's causing a turmoil, a turmoil, a turmoil. And it's beginning to ramp up into terror, terror terror. The Lord released that word about a year and a half ago now that terror and turmoil was coming and it is coming and it has gotten exponentially greater. But now it's going to ramp up in suddenlies that are so significant. And it's only those who have decided which side of the line that they're going to be on and upon which rock they will stand on Not the little rocks that amount to sand, but the actual rock of Jesus. Those are the ones that will weather this storm. It will be worth it. It is worth it now. Every single day, and we spoke about this at the gifts meeting yesterday. Every single day that you just say yes to the Lord. You may not feel like you're being really productive. But as you just say yes. I will not give up. I will not be weary. I will not give in. I am victorious. So where you have to be careful is not letting the enemy help you to think that every day is such a battle. 
The Lord wants you to say, every day I help you win the battle. Yes, there is a battle every day. But we are victorious. We are more than a conqueror. We, if God is for us, Romans 8, man, talk about an encouraging, you know, some encouraging, refreshing drink. Drink of the water in Romans 8. It is amazing. If God is for us, who can be against us? And, and don't misunderstand that. I, I always like to clarify. People that who can be against us? There's, everybody's against us. Who being against you can have an impact when God is for you? That's the difference. When he is for you, those against you become, you, you have your shield of faith and their fiery darts of the enemy you become impervious to because you are upon, you are standing on the rock of Jesus. The Holy Spirit and all of the armor that he gives you in him fights that back. And nothing will separate you from his, the love of Jesus. And, and he goes in, that's toward the very, very end of that chapter. Nothing will separate you from his love. So I just want to encourage you today. He really does speak. He really, really does have a calling, has an assignment for you, for you. And he really does make it worth it when you trust him, when you just seek him and you trust him. And I will tell you this. There are too many people in the bride that are living in the permissible Well, God allowed it. God allowed it. That's what the children of Israel said. Right on their way to missing the promised land. Well, God allowed it. God's allowing it. Lord, this is what I want to do. Bless it, bless it, bless it. And he's like, I'm not going to infringe upon your free will. You you make a choice. But it isn't my best. Stop living in the permissible. And start desiring And as Shannon has shared with us, even this morning in the ladies' class, and protecting and guarding fiercely the perfect, the perfect. He has a will for you. What you think is good for you and that you desire, you don't even know. We don't know ourselves like we think we do. The enemy is constantly trying to self-enlightenment. Josh, oh Josh, you just need to, you just need to soak up. The greatest love of all is inside of me. I remember when that Whitney Houston song came out. I had no idea how deceptive that was. And the poor thing, she, she became part of her own deception and, and her life was ended in a terrible way. But he's trying to get all this self-enlightenment rather than going to the creator and saying, Lord, who am I? You created me. You created these, these desires in me. Help me to make sense of these desires. What is, I, I have this desire. I, 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 I want to do this. It seems like I'm kind of good at this. It seems like I'm, I, I have a skill set for this, and I know it's from you. But, but I don't know what that means. Show me. Show me how you want to use it. Oh, man, he will place you in a place, and it'll blow your mind. He'll show you that, yes, the reason I made you so good at that was because this is what you're going to do. But see, in the meantime, in the waiting, we tend to go, but Lord, but Lord, but Lord, I'm good at this. I'm good at this. So I should just be doing something. And we don't wait on him. And we don't say, Lord, it seems like I'm not using my gifting. It seems like I'm not exercising and being fulfilled in, in something that was a desire since my childhood. But so why? Why are you keeping me from it? And the Lord's like keeping you from it. I'm enhancing it. 
I'm taking you through a time where you can learn how to steward it and use that skill set with my power, unhindered by your carnal flesh, by any of your emotions, by the the deception of the world. I'm going to teach you my voice. I'm going to teach you surrender. I'm going to teach you how to host my power. I'm going to teach you what it feels like to walk next to me and take that skill set to the next level. Nothing in your life, nothing you've ever done, even when you've gone astray, will, will be wasted by God when you lay it at his feet. Whatever you use, whatever came against you in your life from birth, God will use for good. He uses everything. That is the Romans 8:28 promise. And we know that God works all things together for our good. Not It doesn't stop there, though. He does not work all things together for our good, period. To them that are that love God and are called according to his purpose. There is a reaping of what you sow. See, this time of the great harvest isn't just the salvation of souls. This harvest is the reaping of what you've sown. And good, if you've not been sowing into the spirit of God and the goodness of God, you are going to, if you're sowing into your flesh, you will reap destruction because that's what comes from the sowing into our flesh. But when you, when you sow in the spirit, you reap life everlasting. And we know that Jesus came to give us life and life more abundant, right? But we've got to understand that this, this living in the permissible is, is really where God has the bride right now in this refinement. It's like, I know that you're, you're seeking me for, for what I'm allowing, but it's time to go and it's time to get into the, the narrow lane of my perfect. Because the longer you walk in a, you know, his grace and his mercy, it's like it's so wonderful. I love, I see, you, you look through the, the children of Israel story in, in Exodus His grace and his mercy is so amazing for people that just spit in his face. You ever just been in awe of that? Like, Lord, how do you have, like Psalm 103 says, he's merciful and gracious, slow to anger and plenteous in mercy. Why it it takes him so long is because he's giving every chance possible. But he's starting to say, look, I'm moving you. I'm moving you into my perfect. It's going to get to the point where if you keep insisting on only what I allow, you're going to find yourself stepping so far out of my plan, you won't even be on the narrow path anymore. And I know that's not what we want. And I will give the, uh, I'll give the, the word that... It was interesting. It kind of, I, I shared it in class, and because Bryn had said it at the end of the gifts meeting yesterday. When we are faced with anything, any kind of uh, circumstance or crisis or trial in our lives, at that moment, the Lord is presenting to us there is something you need to believe me for, or there's something you need to surrender, or both. Everything we face is with intention by the Lord. What he allows, what happens, he is in control of our lives. He is in control. We, though, have choice still. And so when we're faced with something, we need to say, Lord, what do I need to surrender? And what do I need to believe you for? For some of us, it's not a surrender thing anymore. We've just laid it all out. Lord, you, I, I am yours. Maybe for some of us right now, 
It's that he's saying, I need you to believe me for the essence of the calling to which I've called you. And I know you want me, but you're not believing how absolutely lavishly loved you are and equipped you are. You don't understand the intentionality of how I created you. I created you, and for me to take you here to this place you never thought you could go, it's not going to go without my equipping and my presence and my power. I'm not going to just set you up for failure. You've got to receive it, though. You've got to receive it. And we have to know, there, we've got to be able to believe God. If there's one thing Satan doesn't want the church to wake up to, is strong faith and, and limits, limitless faith and belief in him. The one thing I, I always find the enemy tries to rob from me and try to rob from me is my faith. If he can take my faith, he can take anything else. You think about that. If he can steal my core fundamental belief in the goodness of God, in the purposes of God, in the plan of God, in the presence of God, faith in any of those things. If the enemy can snatch that, he can snatch just about anything else. And that's why it's got to be, Lord, what do you want me to believe you for? And in order to believe him for that, there's usually something I need to surrender. Sometimes I just need to surrender that... I'm, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. Father, for, forgive me for forgive me for just just not getting that this is possible. I remember I, when I came to that place with His voice, I had, I had heard all my life that He speaks through His Word. He speaks through His Word. He speaks through His Word. He does, but He speaks to Alexis, Yvonne, Home, Twedell. He speaks to me as an individual. He had a plan for me. And I didn't find my name in this book. So he showed me that your name is in this book. When my Holy Spirit shows you where it is on the pages of this book, I'm showing you who I am. His voice will always agree and his, with his character. And his character is revealed in the Word of God. And, man, so I just can't tell you enough how important it is to go back to these fundamentals that he really, really does speak he really does have a plan for you. He has not overlooked you. There is something amazing for you. And it is not small. It's significant. And it's really worth it. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you, God, so much. I praise you today, God. I praise you for how awesome you are, how personal you are, God. You are so real. You really, really love us. You really do speak to us. You really have a plan for us. Oh, God, and you really make it worth it. Apart from you, I can do nothing. So I just praise you, God. I give you worship. I give you praise that you deserve. And I ask that you would reveal yourself, your plan, your purposes to everyone that seeks you today. God, we love you. We praise you. Let this word not fall to the ground, but take it forth and let it accomplish what you will. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.